Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Truth From A Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number 64, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today is the fourth and final part of the Archery DIY Report with Greg Litzinger and we're covering bow tuning and setups. I'm also announcing this week's winner of the Trophy Ridge React Site Giveaway and how to get involved to win some cool prizes during Exodus's Velvet Fest celebration. So stay tuned. All right, what is up, everyone? Welcome back. To another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I hope everyone had a good Memorial Day holiday weekend. Got to enjoy some time outside, maybe eat a little barbecue, maybe even snuck in just a little bit of deer work. Um, this past weekend, I had the great pleasure um, and honor, actually, to go to Annapolis and attend the Naval Academy graduation. Some close friends of my wife and I. Um, their son was graduating this year from, from the Naval Academy. So got to spend the weekend there and man, that is a super cool experience. Everything from, you know, tailgating in the parking lot before you go in, um, to watching all those, you know, young men and women, you know, taking, taking their oath, getting ready to go serve their country. Um, the blue angel flyover, of course, the president was there and spoke, which was cool. You know, I don't know that I'll ever, you know, in my lifetime get to see another president speak, um, so that was so that was super cool. You know, if if you ever have the opportunity to just to kind of check that check that out, you know, it's uh it's something to uh, to really behold, and I highly urge you to to take advantage of that, man. It's 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 a bunch of class act people um, and great bunch of young young men and women. Um, but let's uh, go ahead and just cut to the chase here. I know the uh, past two weeks we had been running the Trophy Ridge um, React site giveaway. And we have done the drawing for the winner. So I will give a drum roll. And the winner of the Trophy Ridge React site is Galen Swigart. Swigart, I believe. Uh, so Galen, uh, you are the winner of the site. I'll reach out to you on Instagram. Uh, I'll send you a direct message and we'll get your address 
and get that mailed out to you as soon as possible. Hopefully you can put that to good use this year and uh, and knock down a slob with it, man. So congratulations to you and I'll get in touch. Also, I want to make mention of another giveaway that's happening, not necessarily with, you know, from from the truth from the stand, but with one of our partners, actually with a, a handful of our partners. Um, Exodus is running their celebration of, of Velvet Fest, which they've done. I believe this might be the second or third year that they that they've done it. Um, and there are some awesome prizes to that they're giving away over the course of the next eight, eight weeks. So they're giving away thousands of dollars in prizes over the course of the next eight weeks, and they have a grand prize drawing on August 10th, which is going to be a slew of, of products that they're going to give away. Uh, you'll have a chance to win prizes from Exodus Outdoor Gear, Wicked Tree Gear, Glacier Coolers, Onyx, I believe Bronk Box is in there as well. So a bunch of really cool products. And all you have to do to get entered uh, in the weekly drawings, because they're going to give away some products every week leading up to the uh, grand prize giveaway, is all you need to do is post a photo or video on social media using the hashtag VelvetFest, and you will be automatically entered into those weekly drawings and then into, obviously, the grand prize drawing as well. Uh, if you'd like to see a list of all the all the prizes and so forth and maybe get a little bit more uh, information about it, uh, you can see a list of the prizes and draw dates and what is going to be included in each of those draw dates in terms of prizes. Uh, all you need to do is head over to exodusoutdoorgear.com and go to their blog page. There's a, there's a really cool video that they put together kind of outlining what the celebration is all about um, and have a list of all the prizes and, of course, the dates that are going to be giving away specific prizes. So go ahead over to Exodus Outdoor Gear, check out the blog page, and check out all those all that information. And I thought, you know, at this moment or at this time, you know, it would be maybe um, appropriate if I kind of gave my thoughts and perspective on, on Velvet Fest. You know, I think for me... You know, it's 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 interesting because we all get geeked out over the rut, right? And over you know late October, early November, in terms of that's when we're going to hit the hit the timber and get to spend some time in the woods, and you know that's the kind of time of year where anything anything can happen. But for me, you know, I get almost as excited, or probably as excited, for pulling cards in early summer and watching the development of the bucks that might be on a property that I'm either hunting, you know, whether it's public land or whether it's the property. Um, you know, the couple farms that I hunt that are, that are family properties and watching the deer develop through the, through the course of the year. You know, it's, I think for me, you know, Velvet Fest is just this, you know, prelude to this time, that time of year that we, that we all love. Um, and it's full of hope, right? Cause anything is possible this time of year when you're pulling these cars and you're seeing these bucks and, you know, you just kind of get excited and it's really kind of kicks off deer season officially for me, like this past weekend, the Memorial Day weekend, is what really kind of I start to turn the page and full attention then kind of goes toward deer season and preparing for for archery season. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward. I haven't had a chance to do a card pull yet. I got a bunch of the extra trail cameras hung. You know, I leave most of mine out. You know, damn near all year round. Um, and so I'm looking forward to to doing my first pull the summer um, here. Hopefully next weekend, uh, I'll be headed out to the Total Archery Challenge shoot, and it's a, kind of a nice on the way. Uh, both of the the family properties are on the way to to that shoot, so I'll make a, a stop in there, pull the cards, you know. And there's just a lot of hope and anticipation. You know, there's a couple deer from last year that were um, on on both properties that I'm I'm really kind of hoping that they make an appearance this year. Um, I'm hoping I get to watch them grow through the, through, through the Velvet Fest season. And, uh, it, it always just kind of, there's always this excitement anytime you go to pull a camera card, um, uh, this time of year, cause you just don't know what's going to be there. Is there going to be a new deer that you've not seen? Is there going to be, you know, that hammer that you watched all last year that, you know, maybe 
hasn't been using your property as his main core area, but as he gets older and maybe a more mature buck has been taken off of your property, you know, and that bedding area now is open for the next dominant deer, you know, so it's like, is there a, a new guy coming into town that's going to be a homebody? You know, so there's all those things that kind of happen during Velvet Fest and in celebration of all those things, Exodus has put together this great celebration and the, all these great giveaways um, with a bunch of the partners that, you know, help make this podcast possible. So it's really cool um, that, that they do that. So be sure to take advantage of that. Head over to ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Check out their blog page. Check out all the information related to the giveaway. And then make sure to stay tuned to their social channels to see when they're giving things away and uh, stay up to date on on what, you know, what products are being given away and when. So without further ado, we've got part number four here with Greg Litzinger talking about bow tuning and setups. Uh, the last part of this series, it's been awesome having Greg on and doing and doing this DIY report, this mini series with him. Uh, of course, he's a, a good friend of mine and a great archer, great hunter, and I uh, just enjoy spending time with him. I hope you guys have enjoyed the series and uh, we'll hopefully have Greg on soon again to talk more deer hunting related stuff as we get into the fall. But before we jump into all of that, let's take a quick second to talk about our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. First and foremost, this podcast is brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest, lastest, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you've ever used. Simply put, the toughest saws on earth. How tough are they? Tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty. Right now, when you visit wickedtreegear.com, use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and get a 20% discount on your Wicked purchase. This podcast is also brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. The new Exodus Trek is a byproduct of all consumer voices who have been excited about what Exodus trail cameras have to offer, but just can't fit a $200 camera in their budget, and that's all right. A budget-friendly camera backed by the industry's leading warranty is now here. The Trek comes in at $145.00 has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera, same five-year warranty and unmatched customer service, 0.7-second trigger speed, photo, video, time-lapse, and hybrid modes that we've all come to love. Also, all with a single-line backlit LED display for easy setup. And you get approximately 20,000 images on a set of lithium batteries, which is also key this time of year for Velvet Fest. If you'd like to learn more about Exodus trail cameras, check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com, or you can hit the partner link at www.truthfromthestand.com. And if you like what you see, save yourself 20 bucks. Use the promo code TRUTH at checkout. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and get the bow hunting fiend on the line. All right, we are back live and in color. Yeah. For part number, what part is this? Part number four. (laughs) I think it's part, I think it's part four. Uh, with bo- the bow hunting fiend Greg Litzinger talking some more archery technique and archery form, and uh, today what we're talking about is tuning. Um, you know, one it's one of those things where I'm going to be completely honest that I know nothing about. Um, I rely on friends like you, <laughs> um, the a buddy of mine Ryan Clapper back in Bedford uh, to do my tuning, and then Bob and AJ's out here in Pipersville in Pennsylvania. To do my bow setups and stuff, because for one, I don't have a press, and that's for good reason, because I'll probably f up my bow pretty good if I if I have a press. Maybe that um, warranty. There, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there, it would definitely go. Um, so I don't trust myself to do anything. It's but it's one of those things that I, that I want to learn to do, and I'm always kind of interested um, in in tuning. And you save my ass whenever I 
screwed up my bow last year and, and took it home and, and got it at least back in working order to get me pointed in the right shot direction. Better, shot better than before. Totally did, yeah. yeah. It's like I was lights out with that thing after I got it back from you. Um, but yeah, so today we're talking tuning, man. So I guess from a, for a, from a high level, you know, let's just kind of walk through like the basic steps of, of tuning a bow. And let's go from the perspective of when you worked in the pro shop yeah. and someone would come in to get their bow tuned. Because there's a lot of different things you can do that's specific to the shooter, right? Correct. But if you want to get a bow that's shooting well, that someone can shoot, be accurate with, and hunt with, and then from there, you know, they can, as they get maybe more into archery and they want to get more specific about gear and yes. setup and stuff like that, you can then start to tweak some of the finer things for them. So let's take this from the perspective that someone bought a new bow, they're into hunting, they're going to go to the archery range, um, and they just need a bow that's going to shoot well for them once they once they leave your shop. Right, so... uh the bow set up for them. The draw links good. Peep. All that stuff is set. All the stuff we talked about earlier yes. in the in the series. So I shoot through paper pretty much mainly to set my knock height. Um, and let me actually backtrack here for a second. I set the rest as per spec from the bow manufacturer. They mm-hmm. all have different ways to set the rest or different measurements off the riser. What I do is I take an arrow, I cut down, I put it on the inside of the riser where there. Are you know, uh, burger button holes are, and so it's it's level and you know it goes down the length of like the arrows knocked, mm-hmm. and then I set the rest as per spec to the manufacturer, mm-hmm. whatever they might be, and I look at the how it's going to be, and a lot of times they're off, they're not completely level because you know the, the yokes might need a little tweaking or, or the cam shimming, but uh, for the most part, I just want to get an idea of what how the arrow looks as per spec from the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And then I take it to paper, and I shoot through paper. And I'm not worried about left to rights. I'm just worried about ups, up and downs. Mm-hmm. That's your not, you know, that's your knock height. And if I, uh, I'll make adjustments either to the D loop or to the rest to get the, you know, a good shot through paper. And I shoot from probably six foot. I don't shoot super close, but like six foot's good enough. Um, and then if once I get the knock up and down pretty, uh, you know, pretty much spot on. I do what's called, you know, French tuning. It's where you shoot three foot at a target from three foot away, and you pretty much use your sights to get your point of impact. You don't touch the rest or anything. Uh, so once you get a half dozen arrows, you're hitting the same dot at three foot, same hole. Go back to say, you know, ten foot, fifteen foot, whatever. I use probably fifteen, twenty feet. Mm-hmm. That's what I got in my house. And then I shoot, and I shoot to see what uh, the arrow is doing at the dis- at that distance. A lot of times you got to bump the rest in or out uh, to get the arrow to hit. Mm-hmm. You do that a few times, so you're hitting the same spot. Then you go back up to three foot. You shoot. You you bump the rest or the the sight. You go back to your know, fifteen foot. Bump the rest, and what you're doing setting the sight and the rest in line with one another, and you know somewhat the arrow. So your point of impact is the same at your know, three foot and 15 foot. Mm-hmm. Then you go back to, you know, you know, 10 or 15 yards and start setting your pins. And at that distance, you use your, you know, use your sight a little bit, you know, and then you kind of just keep going back and forth. And uh, what you're trying to do is make sure your sight and rests are staying equal to one another at that distance, whatever distance you're shooting. And, like I said, most indoor ranges is 20 yards. Mm-hmm. So there's really not much you can do after your 20-yard pin is set. Right. Then you go back to 
say out to the range, you got your 20, 30, 40. I go to, I'm a little extreme. Most people go to 30. I'll go to 40 and I'll aim at the high spot on a target with my 20 and I'll shoot. And if your bow is set up well, you know, sight, rest, arrow combinations, right? The arrow should just fall straight down. If it starts falling to the left and to the right, hmm, you got yeah, you got to make some rest adjustments, you right. know. And then once you make a rest adjustments, you're gonna have to go back 20 yards and make some sight adjustments, right? You know, so the French tuning is a quick way to get you, you know, get a customer out of the door mm-hmm. and where they're gonna shoot well enough. Right. have confidence in their setup and right. not badmouth you. Right. <laughs> and, but anything after 20, it's really user-specific. Right. You know, and then you go you know, at 40, and then I jump back to 60 and do the same thing. I'm at a real high spot, you know, uh, on the target with my 20. You know, if 40 shot good, then hopefully 60 is just going to be just low. Right. And you make some, some adjustments. And that's a, a quick way of getting your arrows to tune to the bow site and get everything kind of set up. Right. And there's a lot more advanced level tuning techniques right and different methods to uh, right. achieve that so what about when you go to throw like when you go to throw broadheads on right cuz i'll hear a lot of guys say that you know they'll put broadheads on and they'll have to you know get their bow tuned like for their broadheads or whatever i've personally never experienced that like i've been able to put broadheads on my setup and shoot broadheads you know last year i was shooting out to 70 yards getting ready for that elk hunt and I threw some broadheads on and shot out to 70 yards and my broadheads were landing right, yeah. right by where my, my field points were landing. The only, the only difference was, was, was the shooter was, was me, you know what I mean? But I was, I was within the realm of, um, acceptable, yes. you know, out, out to that distance. So how would you, how do you tune a bow to make sure that, or give yourself the best chance to not have to make a lot of drastic changes when you're changing from field points to broadheads? When it, when it comes to broadheads, if, I mean, we never really touched on arrow selection, but arrow selection is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, for a good flight of you know any arrow with a field tip, <laughs> you can pretty much get the fly. Well, right. there's nothing in the front steering the arrow. It's right. hey, you know, there's it's pretty much streamlined. Once you put say a fixed blade on the front mm-hmm. uh, of a broadhead, now you're adding you know a lot of I don't even aerodynamic know kind of impact. Yeah, right to the arrow. Now the the front to possibly steer because you got giant blades on the front. Right. So if the arrow's not set up properly to your bow. It can make tuning a nightmare, mm-hmm. and people want to blame the broadhead. The broadheads stink. The broadheads suck. They're terrible. They don't fly well. I'm sure they fly well. You know, right. let's be realistic. Something else is not right on the bow. You know, it's, right. not, it's not the broadhead's fault. Well, once I go to this model, it 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 flies a lot better. Well, it's a smaller profile, smaller right. diameter. So right. yeah, it's less. You know, it's it cuts to the wind a lot better. You know, right, right. And I, and I do believe that's why a lot of people shoot expandables is they don't want to mess with it. Right, simple. Yeah. Is there a way to tune a bow to kind of get you into a place with a with a fixed head to where those yeah. challenges are? From for me, I mean, I'll I'll take it a little, uh, you know, the basic tuning that we did mm-hmm. and do the, pretty much the same thing with you know, the you know, the walk back tuning, broadhead tuning, right. you know, slash French tuning. Same thing with the broadheads. Go up to twenty and shoot, mm-hmm. or go up to ten yards and shoot. You know, and if you're you're shooting left or right, you know, maybe bump your sight to get to your point of impact. Then go back to you know twenty and shoot, mm-hmm. you know, and it should pretty much be there. If not, you know, just tap the rest a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I mean like, like you know, blow on it. Yeah, like thirty <laughs> seconds of an inch is a lot right. when you're walk back tuning, you know. And then go back to ten, make sure it's good, you know. And then go back to you know forty yards and shoot. Right now, 
if the arrow combination, broadhead combination, it's, if it's a good setup, you know, you should technically be within your realm of acceptable. And a lot right. of people, listen, let's be realistic. Broadheads, fixed blades can be a, a bear to, to tune sometimes. Right. You know, there's a lot going on. Most people, you know, they, they can shoot, you know, softball size groups at 30. Well, they go put broadheads on there trying to shoot 50. Well, you don't really shoot 50. Right. <laughs> like, let's be realistic. You know, let's, right. let's be be honest with yourself. Yeah. Like, all right, if my max range is 30, 40, then make that your broadhead. Like, don't right. try and get something out of that you can't get, you know, with a field tip out right. of your hour setup. But pretty much, you know, shoot at 10 and go back to 30 and do that walk back tuning. And if your hours, you know, flying a little bit to the left, you know, bump your rest, you know, hours flying a little right, bump, you know, bump your rest. But go back to, you know, 40, 50 yards. And it, and it does change your tune a little bit with the field points, but you're hunting. Right. So I'll, I'm, this is for the average, you know, consumer guys that don't want guys and girls that don't want to spend hours upon hours tuning, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't really shoot with field like after I put uh, a broadheads on and I get, I get my bow shooting off, I put field tips on. I'm a little bit to the left. Oh well, I just deal with it. Yeah, you yeah. know, and just know that your bow is shooting a little bit to the left. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, you know, and like I said, I'm not going to enter a tournament during hunt season. You know, and I shoot right. one hour at a time during hunt season. Right. I shoot, try to shoot every day. I got three targets in my yard, and I'll rifle off one arrow. Right. You know, and that's it. Cause it's just like hunting scenario. You know. Right. So, then there's like more advanced level tuning. Right. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about bear shafting because I know that's something that you do. Yeah. You know, is um, that you're a big proponent yeah. of. You know, it's like you're you're a, I guess a fan yes. of, of of bear shaft tuning. The the reason I got into bear shaft tuning is I'm trying to tune the bow for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And by forgiveness, I mean, when I was competing, you know, stress comes into play, you're, you know, adrenaline, all that stuff. So I got into bear shift tuning from reading about it, like the target guys got into it and it, it worked, mm-hmm. you know, I could tort the bow a little bit and still make a good shot. So I'm like, well, this probably work great for hunting, you know? Right, right. So I built an arrow spine tester and mm-hmm. I actually, you know, spine test my arrows all my arrows and I fletch them all the same. So the arrows pretty much all behave the same coming off the bow. Right. And with bear shaft tuning, I mean, I shoot a new breed, so it's pretty much about cam shimming, shimming mm-hmm. cam left to right. But I shoot through paper, you know, get my knock height set. And then I put the paper away and I shoot a hard foam target at 10 yards. And then I shoot a hard foam target, the same target, you know, at, at 20 yards. And I look at the point of impact in the foam. Mm-hmm. If the bow's tuned, the arrow's tuned, you know, left, right, you know, the arrow should be straight into the target. Right. And then I'll take a fletched arrow, you know, and shoot right next to it. And they should be, you know, hitting side by side. Right. In the, in the same angle going into the target. You right. You know, and I, I make sure the targets are, are your shoulder level. Like, I'm not right. changing anything. Right. And I, I I do it at 20 yards. I've done it at 30 and 40, but it's, for me, it's not necessary. I'm not... At, at that type of you know elite level shooter where I'm shooting lifesavers at 70 yards. You know? Right, right. You know? And so I make adjustments. So if the arrow's kicking to the left or to the right, I shim the cam over to get perfect alignment with mm-hmm. my bear shift, you know, hitting straight into the foam. Right. And, and sometimes, that's my phone, by the way. <laughs> that's my phone. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to get he said the, the broad, the, the bear shaft to fly straight and then the flats to fly straight right next to it. So mm-hmm. if I put, you know, if I put a, you know, little leaf up or mm-hmm. a little orange dot, 
I should be able to hit that orange dot with my Fletch arrow, and then I should be able to put a bear shaft in the same hole. Right. You know, and that's a well-tuned bow. Right. And now when it comes to hunting, I put a fixed blade on. I shoot a pretty big fixed blade. Well, not mm-hmm. necessarily huge, but it's got a big profile on it. It's mm-hmm. a RAD rival, so it's mm-hmm. got it's a lot lot on front of that uh, broadhead, but I like a big cut. So right. I've since I've started bear shaft tuning, I can screw those broadheads on, or any broadheads for that matter, and shoot. And be good. Yeah, very little, very little tweaking of anything. And when I bear shift to, I make sure the rest is perfectly centered as per specs from the the manufacturer. You know, the arrow going through the top of the, you know three quarter way to burger hole, and I lay an arrow on the inside of the rise we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and I put the arrow in the the rest, and they're they're level, mm-hmm. they're straight on down, and I shin the cams as necessary to get. To that where it needs to be and a lot of times that's all i need to do and makes tuning for forgiveness so right. windy conditions or, or anything or me shooting off centered or you know just a little bit you know a little bit of some, torque or yeah, whatever right it pretty much can eliminate you know a a, an, a fixed blade shooting you know, six inches to the left i might shoot three inches well you know what that's still a kill and i'm still happy with that right right what about, you mentioned, you know, choosing the right arrow for the bow. Um, I think a lot of people just kind of go out and pick up arrows, right, and don't think much about, you know, what they're putting in in their bow and how yes. it's going to react. Let's talk a little bit about, like, selecting an arrow. And then, <clears throat> of course, you know, front of center is something that you hear. I, I don't think you heard as much about it, like, a handful of years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard a lot more about, a, about it probably in the past, like, two to three years where it's become more of a, a talking point for archers, even – hunting archers like i think it was probably always a, a thing with um competitive archers yes. but i now hear more and more about it in in hunting scenarios than i had in the past yes. and that might just be me not paying attention but uh let's talk a little bit about arrow selection in front of center and like how important that arrow weight is overall and and how much foc you should have in an arrow before we continue our conversation let's talk about wicked tree gear saws hardcore deer hunters need hardcore tools do yourself a favor and check out Wicked Tree Gear, the toughest hand saws and pull saws on earth. You buy it once, you buy it for life, backed by a lifetime guarantee. Right now, if you use the promo code TRUTH, you'll save 20% on your next purchase with free ground shipping. So head over to wickedtreegear.com and get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you hunt. Yes, uh, like I said, and it's so subjective. Right. I've had arrows with horrible forward center. Fly with fixed blades and you know expandables, great, mm-hmm. 30, 30, 40, 50 yards. And I've had arrows with heavy force center, I think 19 and a half is what I had you know, last year. And they flew great, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, uh, last year I was shooting 90 yards at a small 3D deer target. And, you know, four out of five arrows, I was getting in the lungs at 93 yards, which is crazy. Right. And I, granted, I built a heavy force center, mm-hmm. but was it my technique or was it? you know the heavy four center that allowed right. me, because i never really shot that that distance with broadheads before so it's like i can't really say whether it's a four center or was it me or the perfect setup on the bow so or the combination of all three yeah right so i mean when it comes to arrow selection a lot of people are they're driven by what's popular what they're seeing on tv what they're seeing in the magazines, magazines right. yeah or what the shop has what the shop's pushing mm-hmm. and one arrow isn't necessarily better than the other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Carbon Express, Easton, Beeman. They're all going to do the same thing. Right. You know, they're all well within tolerances for the average shooter. They can take a you know, .006 arrow, 
shoot it extremely well and they put a point zero zero one, you know, hundred and twenty, hundred thirty dollar a dozen arrow and shoot the same. Right. You know, so right. Good hours are nice. I mean, in my target bows, I can tell the difference in, you know, straightness of arrows. Right. But you know, and I'm saying eighth of an inch, but that's big in target archery. You know, hunting, not that important. You right. know, eighth of an inch is still a dead deer. Right. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So a good arrow combination to the bow, it takes a little tweaking, but now there's a lot of computer software programs that right. if any shop is not using them computer software programs for their customers, they're doing them with the serves. Right. You know, I bought, when I worked at the one, my first shop, I actually bought software and I'd bring my own, my own laptop in because the owner didn't want to, I'm not buying this. We don't need that. I'm like, well, I'll buy it. And he would set up a bow, you know, and this is the arrow you need. And then I run it through the program. He'd be way under spine, you mm-hmm. know, wrong things because these arrow programs allow you to build the perfect arrow. They take right. into consideration how efficient the bow is. You know, some arrows are a lot better quality than others. Right. So why not use that software? It's like 30 bucks, 40 right. bucks. You know, right. the average you know listener can buy it, you know, on target, Archer's Advantage. Right. It works. Right. You know. what? Uh, so what's the importance of, of front of center? So really it's like the, the important thing for an arrow for a hunter you know, is that you want to make sure that the your arrow is spined correctly for the efficiency of your bow, the amount of weight you're going to be pulling, and on yes. in those types of things. You don't want to, an arrow that's underspined and flexing too yes. much, and in by the same token, you don't want one that's overspined and not flexing enough coming off your coming off your bow. So you yeah. want a nice kind of happy medium. What about front of center? Like, what does that what does that do for you? You want your arrow to be a little bit top or front heavy. You don't want it to be rear heavy um, because then you're kind of pushing the arrow, I guess, for I guess uh, a the, good way to a good way to uh, say is if you're front heavy, you're, you know, you're pulling through the air. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a lot easier to pull something, you know, I guess with efficiency than it is to push something. Right. Um, when you're pushing from the back of the bow, imagine, a, you know, a rear wheel drive car burn out side by side right. versus a front wheel drive car. you you punch it, it pretty much kind of goes straight. That's right. a good way to, you know, one way, way I always thought about right, it. The one way that someone explained it to me was that you have two drivers on a, on a fire truck. Say the driver in the front seat has a heart attack. Yep. You know what I mean? And the guy in the back has to drive. Who do you think can drive more accurately? <laughs> or who's going to have to work harder? Exactly. So your bow and your setup has to work a lot harder if all of your steering, if all of your driving of your arrow is happening from the back. True. You know what I mean? That and was kind of how he described yeah, it. Yeah, fletching's got to work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of variables. Wind can come into play, you know. It's it's a heavy rear arrows or light arrows, pretty mm-hmm. much. You know, in, in essence, the front end's real light. You know, so it can it can be affected by wind drift and and gust of wind. Where if you're real heavy in the front, you know, you're you're pulling the arrow to the target is a way. You know, an old timer that right. shot a lot of field archery. Right. They shot relatively heavy four center arrows to help pull that arrow to the target. And these are all recurve shooters, you know, which is real important. Four centers, right. yes. Yeah, super know, important for them. Because, you know, they got, they're got shooting off the shelves and stuff like that. Where right. compounds, we, it's important, but it's not as important. It ups, it ups your game. Yes. You know what I mean? So, I guess, how what is, like, how much, what's the percentage of forward center that you should shoot for? They say 10% is minimum with broadheads. Right. You know, it, it depends on who's writing the article, too. I've read them, you know, from 8%, 10 12 But right. I don't shoot anything pretty much under 12 mm-hmm. You know, 11 and a half. 
I've had good success with. When I start getting into, you know, the nine, you, you're getting in a danger zone with, with fixed blades. Expandables, right. you can get away with it, you know, because front ends right. are really not doing much. Right. You know, steering wise. Right. But 10, 12 is good. 15 is good, you know. Right. Yeah, and I think it's the heavier, too, with a lot of people runs, the heavier front, the more weight you have up front, the heavier your arrow has to be in general. You see, if you want to run 200 grains up front, you're going to have to get a heavier arrow mm-hmm. to, to combat the, the, the flexing. Right. So now you got a significantly heavier arrow. So your drop is going to be a lot more at distance than right. it would be, you know, with a, you know, an arrow that's, let's say 12% for the center. So right. a little bit lighter arrow. Right. And not to get into like all kinds of craziness, but I was talking to a guy um, who owns the show. It's a Bob, one of the owners at Bob AJ's out in uh, Pipersville. We were talking, I went to pick up my bow. He set up my, my newest, but he set up my obsession. And we were just kind of talking about, you know, bow setups and stuff like that. And we were talking a little bit about front of center. And one of the things we started talking about was shooting a heavy arrow versus a light arrow, right? And we were talking about speed bows a little bit and stuff like that. And, you know, the thing is, I think that people get confused with is that, you know, they equate speed to kinetic energy, which it does play a part, right? But his point was, is that, you know, the important part is is the weight combination with the right amount of speed that gives you the momentum. Because the momentum is really what's going to help you downrange. He's like, because... Your bow, if you're shooting, you have a 30-inch draw or whatever, and you're pulling 70 pounds, and your bow at that, you know, at that setup, IBO is at 345 or 350 or whatever, 30 yards downrange, you're still not going 345 feet per exactly. second or 350 feet per second. Like, it's, it's, that's what's coming out at the bow for a certain yes. distance, right? But when you get to a certain point, you're now talking about momentum. So how much momentum does that arrow have based on, the speed that it had coming out yes. and the amount of weight that it's pushing. So in some instances, you're better off shooting a heavier arrow with less poundage and getting, you know, good momentum, yes. right? With a heavier arrow or shooting slower because you got a heavier arrow to give you more yes. momentum down, down range. And that's, and it's going to absorb the shock better from your bow, which means your bow is going to be quieter yep. and it's going to be a more stable arrow as it flies in flight. And it's going to be more, more accurate downrange. And that's where those, I said, those computer programs earlier, they will show you how much momentum you have at 60-70. Like I built my elk arrow mm-hmm. pretty much on that premise of shooting 70 yards. I right. forget what number I, I had in my head. I don't even know why I had it. I'm talking to somebody and they're like, do you want this type of momentum for like a 70-yard shot? Because I was prepared to take a 70, 80-yard shot in the elk. You right. believe that. Cow, calf, bull, it didn't matter. Right. If I had one at 70, 80 yards, I'm, taking, I'm crushing it. And I wanted penetration so i pretty much built my arrows with 480 grains or 90 grains it was really light arrow shaft but a lot of weight up front mm-hmm. balls had a lot of weight in the back you know right wraps and veins and stuff like that so it wasn't too off centered but it was really heavy so if mm-hmm. it hit something at bone at 70 yards you know i'm gonna get that extra inch or two of penetration you know right. to get right. you know, help with some blood flow right but get back to your the the arrow weight i always told customers do you want to get hit by Mike Tyson? <laughs> you know, or do you want to get hit by Floyd Mayweather? Right. I'd rather you get know? hit by Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So <laughs> when it comes to uh, arrow selection, you got to take that into consideration. You know, Ricky, double longer, he mm-hmm. shoots 375 grain arrow. Mm-hmm. But he's a hell of a shot. And he can put it the arrow where it needs to be. Is his arrows are light, fast, and he shoots, you know, 20, 30 yards max. Right. And his deer die within sight. Right. You know? 
that's fine. You and know? like this year, two of them do. Yeah. <laughs> that son of a... Ten them. does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but they all die, you know, very fast because he knows he's a good sh- shot with the bow. Right. You know, guys that are a little iffy, I, I always make them go heavy. Right. You know, because, you know, you might flank a deer or whatever or, or off-center deer, you know, but that little extra weight might give you an exit hole on a shot that you wouldn't have got it before. Right. And uh, I know as a speaking from experience as a kid when i was you know 14 i could 35 pounds mm-hmm. i shot light arrows i got terrible penetration right yeah and you know i hit my growth spurt at 16 one of my growth spurts at 16 right i shot a 540 green arrow had a thunderhead 160 on it you know crazy Jeez. 25 14 it was a cannon right. of an arrow i literally knocked deer off their feet Jeez. i mean i've literally knocked them right over because you know but my buddy Rick, my other kid I grew up with, he thought I hit a tree once. And that's how, because I broke both shoulders, scapulas going through, and pretty much that deer kicked twice and was like, I'm just going to stop. Uh, uh, not dead. a gas. Yeah. Right. I mean, it literally felt like, you know, it sounded like a baseball bat, like cracking a tree, snapping right. in half. Nice. But that comes with weight. But with weight, there is. There's a trade off. You know, trade off. And I have another story with weight, Kentucky. I uh, misjudged a deer, heavy arrow. Shot right into a giant 10-pointer. Really? Yep. I'm like, it's so 38. Wait, wait, did you good once, and then did you dirty another yep. time? So I went light, and then light cost me the biggest deer I've ever seen in New Jersey. I shot straight down, and it didn't have enough power, pretty much. The arrow just skirted down. The, the didn't break the scapula for some strange reason. I don't even, to this day, I don't know how. And pretty much just break down the side of it, and the deer got away. But I'm like, if I would have had, you know, a, a 450 grain arrow instead of 330 grain arrow, a deer would have been dead. Right. So. Yeah. You live and you learn. Yep. Well, hopefully folks during this uh, mini series have, have learned a lot. I have. I always like to talk about tuning bows. It's something that's foreign to me a little bit, you know, so it's one of those things where I like to understand more about what's going on with my bow. I feel like if I understand more about what's going on with my bow, my technique and stuff like that, I'm going to be a better shot. So hopefully everyone out there got a little bit of information that they didn't have before, and hopefully it helps them become a better a better shot, a better archer, a better hunter, and uh, stay away from the lewds. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> but uh, it's a disclaimer, just all personal stuff. Nothing's science. That's no science-based results. <laughs> right. This is just my own observations on doing and things. Do, and doing it for years and yeah. setting bows up and tuning bows. And I've done it like right. That. I've done it wrong, and I still make mistakes. So. Right. The listeners might listen to this, but like that guy's full of shit. I'm like, there's a good possibility on some of the things, you know. But right. You know, so with that, I think we're going to go ahead and hit the range and put some of these things to the uh, the test, man. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate yeah, it, buddy. Thumbs up go. again. Thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. Keep giving listeners everyone thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah. Nobody can see it. It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. We'd like to thank Greg for joining. Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram if you are not already following him. We'd, of course, like to thank all of you for listening. Uh, We we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in and letting us talk deer hunting, archery, and any of the uh, weird topics that we happen to get into during the course of our conversations. And just want to say that we appreciate the hell out of all you for uh, for tuning in. And if you haven't yet, head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so we make sure to deliver each of the upcoming podcasts directly to your mobile devices. Before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. 
Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tecamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, and Trophy Taker Rests. And until next time, we'll see y'all. Long time coming if it all It takes a special knowing to come up gang the new truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on youtube below any of the truth from the stand videos i've got some new hats beanies t-shirts long sleeve t-shirts and sweatshirts there's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro dosing adversity so head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code truth t-r-u-t-h and save yourself some cash on the new gear